Well, the title of this message is Love, the, the Recognizable Difference, okay? So the love, the recognizable difference. I'm going to explain what I mean by that. It's, a, it's, it's very key. But what do we mean by the recognizable difference? When something is different, it's different, right? So I'll use an example. A woman has, has um, her hair is brown, okay? Now she dyes her hair a, another lighter shade of brown or a darker shade of brown. Would you agree it's different, but you're probably not going to recognize it, right? You, you know, you say there's something about, in that case, you probably won't even say there's something different about you. It probably won't be recognizable. But if somebody now changes their hair color from brown to blonde, that's a recognizable difference, right? Okay, or to red or purple, whatever it is, it's a recognizable difference. And husbands, you better notice your wife's hair when it's that drastic. We'll be praying for you tonight, amen? Now, you're, we'll, let, we'll let you go. If it's brown to a lighter shade of brown, that's okay. But um, we won't let you go if it's drastic. So here's the thing, okay? This is a subject that is God's heart. He's passionate about it. Love is the difference maker in our lives, okay? Love is the recognizable difference. So we're called to stand out from, from the world. We're called to be different, and not just a little different, not just once in a while, but consistently living a life of love and walking in God's love. So I always like to give us a goal, what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do, where he wants to take us. Here's the goal of this message, that we would gain a deeper understanding of God's love for us personally, and then allow that heart change to overflow to others. Amen? And what I mean by going deeper in the love of God, there's no possible way that we could exhaust the love of God in one day or even a year if you taught on it for a year. There's a scripture in Philippians where it talks about us growing in love. You, we grow in love, and there's such different aspects of God's love. And, and really, the Bible is all about love, so I encourage you, if it's not a subject you're passionate about it, get passionate about it. I believe after tonight, you will be passionate about it. But we have a main scripture, and that main scripture is an awesome scripture. It's in John 13, 34 through 35. This is what it says. Jesus is speaking. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He says it three times. But here, I got news for us. I'm speaking to myself. It's not because we know Bible scriptures. It's not because we call ourselves Christians. It's not even because we post on Facebook all the great things that God is doing in our lives, right? By this, by the love that we have for one another, all men will know that you are my disciples. How many people want to make Jesus known to this world, right? Well, how are we going to do it? According to the scripture, it's through love. So a few things about this scripture. Number one, it's a commandment. It's not optional, okay? It's not like buying a new car and you say, okay, I don't want the air conditioning. I don't want this. I don't want that. Being a Christian, this comes. Sorry, my voice cracked. <laughs> like... I don't want to get into a funny story about that, but anyway, because I want to keep on track, but I could. So it's a commandment. It's not optional. But if we're going to carry it out, listen to this. This is key. We need to understand how we're loved by God personally, how G Jesus is the pattern. So Jesus is saying, love others the way I have loved you. So now we're going to look at what how Jesus loved us. But it's by loving others the way Jesus loved us that we're going to point them to him. Commandment, Jesus is the pattern. It's by loving others that we point them to Jesus. That's the way we do it. So I don't want anybody to do this and shut down. Please don't do that and say, oh, I heard about love. It's going to be another message about how much God loves me. We need to take this personally. We need to understand how he loves us personally. So if you're having trouble receiving the love of God, I want you to receive it tonight freely because we're going to be talking about receiving God's love, but also giving that to others. Amen? So this is what we're going to do. First, we're going to define what biblical love truly is. We will look at how that love was demonstrated to us, and then we're going to look at the transforming power of the love of God. It's going to be a good night. If I don't get through all my notes, that's okay, but I think we will. So this isn't about how we appear on the outside. This isn't about, oh, I love you, you're so sweet, and then you go home in your heart. 
I don't like that person or I want their position or whatever it is. This is about the heart. See, God sees the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So this is a heart thing. See, we're called to love each other fervently from where the heart, not from the surface. So if you don't think love's important, then I'm going to show you why it is. Listen to, these are just some of the things about the love of God. We're told to make it our great aim. It's called the most excellent way. We're called to love each other deeply from the heart. It's the, this one's going to hurt, okay? It's the evidence of knowing God. First John, that's in. If you want to read the, first, the book of First John, that could be a book like, ooh, that's a, so, but it's a great book. It's the evidence of knowing God. When we love, we actually pass from death to life. It never fails. And back to our message, by, the, by loving others, all men are going to know that we're his disciples. And if that doesn't stir you up, how urgent love is, Romans 13, 11, we're not going to go there. The prior verse talks about, owe no man anything but to love them. We're indebted to love one another. That's a debt we have. We should know money, should know this but we are indebted to love one another. So I look at it this way, God has put a deposit of love in us for others. So when you meet somebody and you hold back love from them, you're actually holding back something that God has put in you for them. Oh, it's, it, we're indebted to love one another. But Romans 13, 11 talks about that. Then it goes on to say, when we love others, we fulfill the law. It lists all the commandments, right? It lists all the commandments, but it says, it's all summed up in one thing. If you love your neighbor as yourself, if you love your neighbor, you're not going to covet. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal. You're not going to lie. You're going to put that person first. But listen to this. It talks about love in Romans 13. It talks about the love is the fulfillment of the law. It talks all about owing, being dead in one another in love. And then verse 11 says this. This is key to tonight. And do this knowing the time that now is high time or past time to wake up out of our sleep because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Church, it's time to focus on the love of God. We focus so much on issues, and I'm not saying we don't need to fight for the church, um, you know, in, in biblical values. That's not what I'm saying. But we spend so much time focusing on little hot buttons. And you ever meet somebody and they have a hot button, whatever it is, something in the natural, and they could talk hours about it. You know what every Christian's hot button be? The love of God. That should be our hot button. So let the love of God be your hot button. Let the love of God be your focus. Let's let the love of God be the focus and, and love people where they're at. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's love with an urgency. Know why? Not just for us, the future generation, this current generation, but our kids, our grandkids, they need to see us walk in love because that's going to point them to Jesus Christ, right? By loving one another. Amen? So we are going to look at what is love. Okay. I did part of this message for the worship team. This is a changed version. And how many, it's just so I feel welcomed. How many people, when I say, what is love? Think of the Saturday Night Live song. Anybody? Thank you. Thank you. I don't feel, the worship team, right? I think most of them raised their, or a good amount of them raised their hand because they think music. But what is love? Okay, get that picture out of your head now. So we, the, the, <laughs> yeah, right? So, so um, what, what is love? Okay, why is this so important? Because sometimes we teach on love, but I really want to go, make it very simple, but I want to go in a little depth. This is probably the deepest part of the message. What is biblical true love? Okay, so in English, there's three, there's one word to define love. We love everything. We love Lexuses. We love ice cream. Chocolate. So you're going to lay down your life for chocolate fudge ice cream. Man, that is some good ice cream you're talking about there. But Seriously, we say we love everything. Do we really love it? So there's three kinds of love. Eros, that's the, the physical, romantic love. There's a philos, that's warm affection, friendship. That's, that's brotherly love. That's another like, version of that is storge love. So you could almost say there's four kinds, but it's that family, that brotherly love. That's where we get the, Phila you know, the uh, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. How many Eagles fans we have in here? All right, that's where, that's where they get it from. Wow. I just, somehow those fans don't seem like they're 
giving you brotherly love when, that, when you're at that stadium. Man, that's, we got to pray for that one. Right? All right, so, the le- so this is where we're going to really focus on is agape. It's the sacrificial, unconditional love of God. So in the New Testament, agape is the highest form of love. And really all love is subject to that. So the large majority of the times that we see agape in the New Testament, it's either agape or agapeo. Agape is the noun form. Listen to this. 116 times it's used in the New Testament. It's love, it's affection, goodwill, benevolence. Agapeo is the, is the verb form, which is wish well, but I like this, to prefer to prefer one another. But here to me personally is my favorite definition of agape love. Agape love comes from a term where they would have, before they celebrated the Lord's Supper, they would have love feast where Christians would come together to fellowship. And the poor people who couldn't afford food and could never eat like that would come and live like they are wealthy and eat at the expense of the wealthy. Is that not a type and shadow of God's agape love for us? When we could not save ourselves, when we were in the pit, when we were bound by fear, when we were bound by sin, he came in and he lifted us out of that pit. He had everything. He was the son of God and he came down to this earth to live, to, to live on this earth and come die for our sins. Is that not a type and shadow of God's love. So think about that when you think about the love of God. So that's a type and shadow of God's love for us. And the Bible actually talks about in the last days that there would be deceivers that would come into the church. It says it in the book of Jude that would actually be blemishes in your love feast. So let's not let anything taint our love for people and the love that God has put in our hearts. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. So we cannot talk about love without, without talking about 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the love chapter. And if we're truly walking in love, these characteristics are going to be evident in our lives. And it's that simple. So, but it's very important, the context of 1 Corinthians 13. And I'm not trying to be funny here. 12, it's obviously between 12 and 14, but... It talks about in 12, listen to this, you, you have to get where God has put the love chapter because that sets it up and it makes it, it brings it out so much more. In first, in Corinthians 12, Paul talks about spiritual gifts. And then in 14, he talks about prophecy in tongues. So in 12, Paul talks about the gifts of the spirit, all these dynamic things, working in miracle gifts of healing. And yes, they are the mark of the church. Yes, when when you're walking in that stuff, people see, people come to Christ. When they see miracles, right? When they see signs and wonders, when they see a word from God. How many people, maybe you you ministered to somebody out there who didn't know Christ, and they said to you, wow, how did you know that about me? All of us, right? They may say to you, how did you know about, it was the Holy Spirit operating through this. And all that stuff is wonderful. And Paul talks about all that stuff because you see a man of God up here or somebody prophesies. And the first thing we're like, wow, what a powerful man of God. I'm not taken away from that. But what's most important is what that person's like off the platform. That's what's important to God. That is the most important thing. So Paul says, all these things are amazing, right? But 1 Corinthians 12, 31, he says, earnestly desire these gifts. And yet I'm going to show you a more excellent way. I got something that's better, and that's the love of God. Is that not awesome? He's going to show us, now Paul's going to show us a more excellent way. And here's something interesting. He says to desire gifts, but he says to pursue love. We are to pursue the love of God, right? That is something that we should be passionate about. Listen to what the Amplified says. And yet I will show you a still more excellent way, one that is better by far and the highest of them all, that is love. Is that not awesome? Are you with me? Are, we get, are, are you getting a picture of what God's love is all about? Are we getting a picture of what God's love all is, is all about? Back to, um, I wanted to read a story here before I get into 1 Corinthians 13 that about God's love 
and the picture of God's love and how through God's love, all will know that we are his disciples. There was a, a South African Satanist. South, this, this is an article from CBN, you could read it. South African Satanist co-founder meets Jesus in a supernatural encounter. He turns to Christ after experiencing God's love. So here's what happened. I believe he was a Christian and he said he got involved. I want to read it from here because it's best. He's, this is what he said. I got involved with Satanism because at the time it resonated with me being very broken and sad without realizing it. So he said a lot of people that are into Satanism were people who were very broken and sad and didn't even realize it, right? So he's into Satanism and he's at the ugliest he's ever been in his life. And I believe he was a believer. And he was doing an interview at a radio station. And following the interview, a young woman walked up to him from the radio station. And in the interview, he said, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe he exists. And he was very, very ugly toward her. And this is what he said after the interview. He said, after I said that, and she hugged me, and she held me in a way that I've never been loved. He experienced God's love. Listen, it gets better. Remember, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples of love. And he says, I've, experienced, I've never experienced a Christian show that much love and acceptance unconditionally. After I said these things, um, after, she, after she said these things, and he said, that stayed with him. Weeks later, he does an open satanic ritual, and Jesus appears to him personally. And listen to this. He's really cocky towards Jesus, and he says, if... He says, if you're Jesus, you need to prove it. And listen to this. He goes, I was flooded with the most beautiful love and energy. And I what? He said, I recognize it immediately. And here's why. It was that same. He goes, I realized it because that woman at the radio station showed it to me. He recognized the love of Christ from her. How, how, what does it say? By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. He recognized that love because that was the same love of Jesus. And that love is in our hearts, amen? And we have that love to show people. So now we're gonna get into what exactly love is on a deeper level. So 1 Corinthians 13, one through eight. If I speak in the tongues of, you could open your Bible, oh, it's right on the screen. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Gets better. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give, listen to this, if I give all I possess to the poor on the outside and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And then it goes on. So, what's, so, so in this scripture, we're talking about love and we're talking about really a heart condition. Because you could, that sounds like a loving person. He gave everything he had. He gave his body to be burned at the stake. But if I don't have love, if I'm not doing it with agape love, it profits me nothing. So then now they go on to say, what is this love, what is this love? Love is patient. We'll go on. <laughs> love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. God is an honorable God. He doesn't dishonor us. He doesn't, he, he loves us. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. Oh, they got thirst. That's so awesome. But rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and it always perseveres. Is that not awesome? That's what love looks like. First Corinthians, really four through seven, that's what love looks like. Then it goes on to say, love never fails. Then it talks about how prophecies, they're going to cease Knowledge is going to pass away. All these amazing things on this earth are going to pass away. But in, in verse 13, it says, and now these th three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. 
So reading that, here's what this is. That is a litmus test for the love of God. 1 Corinthians 13 is the litmus test. If you wanna know if you're walking in love, don't go by your feelings, your emotions, go by that. That's the litmus test, okay? It's like, when you think about it, in construction, they use a level, right? Because you could really get off. You could look at your eye and say, that looks level. And then you take out a, a leveler and see, wow, that's not level, right? Why? Because you have a guide. You have a marker that tells you the truth, right? What do they always say in sports? A team's really good, and maybe they beat a bunch of teams that are really bad. And they're like, man, this team's undefeated, but they beat a lot of real teams, really bad teams. They're playing a really good team this week, and this is going to be the litmus test. This is going to be the test to see if they're really good or not. Well, this is the test if we're walking in love. So this is how I want us to view 1 Corinthians 13. I want us to view it like this. God loves me and you and all of us that way. He's patient toward us. We should be patient with ourselves, and we should be patient with others. God is kind toward us right? We should be kind to ourselves and be kind to others. So think of it, how God loves me, because it's God's love, he is love, and how I should love others, right? So it's twofold, receiving it and giving, because you can't give somebody something that you don't have. So if this is how God views love, should we not be experts in love? Should we not know how to walk in love? Should we not dig into this scripture and see if we're walking in love, right? Because it's, it's going to change people's life, just like that guy that um, was appeared to by Jesus. So I want to pull out a few things, and I want to go on to the next point. Chapter 7, um, in 1 Corinthians 13, rather, verse 7, in the Amplified, I'm not putting it up on the screen, where it talks about love persevering, and it always hopes, always perseveres. It says, love bears up under everything and anything that comes its way, and it's ever ready to believe the best of every person. So I just want to pull that out and say, is if there's a time in life right now that we need to get back to believing the best about people, it's this. Amen? Can I get an amen on? Because that, so, that is so important. So it also says, it hopes our faithless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. And then it goes on to say, love never fails. Listen to this. Love never failing means this. It never perishes, never falls down. So it never perishes, never falls down, never loses its power, never comes to end, never falls down in ruin. In other words, get a picture of the love of God never falls up under anything. It never crumbles. Under, you get that? I mean, we could be secure in this love. The love of God that's in our hearts, the way he loves us, the way we should love others never crumbles. It's not subject to anything. It never fails. It endures without weakening in anything in our lives. There's nothing on this earth that endures like that. It says, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Are you getting a picture of love never is subject to anything? Is that not awesome? So love, so we're walking in love in our lives, we can't fail. Brother Hagen has one of the best books on love. He calls Love the Way to Victory. And he says, if your faith is not working, check your love walk. Check your love walk if your faith, because faith is energized by love. The Bible says that faith works by love. One of the best definitions I've ever heard was from a teacher at Rhema. This is now the, so we got the long definition of love. Are you getting a picture of God's love? I'm sure each person's taken away a different thing. I don't want to be lengthy on this, but I wanted to go deep in God's love so we understand when we say we should be loving others, what does it really mean? We should be patient. We should be kind. We shouldn't dishonor others. We have a whole list of things, but the whole general theme of love is this. It's about the other person. Amen. It's about the other person. Amen? Amen. So, this is the definition. Love is joyfully taking an action that promotes the welfare of another. So the, greater, the, the theme of love is this. No greater than, love than this than a person lays down their life to their friends. That's the theme of the love of God. So that takes us to our next point. Now, love goes to a whole nother level, right? Because th that is love. That's the basis of what love is. But God takes it to another level when you see who it was demonstrated to and how it was demonstrated. How was God's love demonstrated to us? 
The answer is in Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The key is in the while we were yet sinners. That brings love to a whole nother level. And we also see in 1 John 3.16, it's one thing to demonstrate love to someone who is good in nature, but another to demonstrate it to somebody who doesn't deserve it, who is unlovely, right? And all of us were unlovely at a certain point in our life, all of us, and we were yet sinners at one time. And what does it mean? It's a fancy term for missing the mark. It's an archery term. If anybody, have you ever played archery with your kids? If you notice, so many of the archery boxes have scriptures on them because it's an archery term. When you hit the bullseye, you're hitting the mark. When you miss the bullseye, you're missing the mark. And that's what sin means. It means to miss the mark. But when God loved us so much that he came after us, even when we were missing the mark, have you ever missed the mark in just in something in your life and God still blesses you? And it's just like, man, he's amazing. Doesn't it mean so much more? So I want to share a personal story of how a lot of times I'll share stories of maybe how I showed the love of God to somebody, but I want to share a personal story about how the love of God was shown to me in really the most amazing way. And it really was by a person who I don't really know if they were even a believer. So however you want to show it, however, um, you know, he just, God used this person to bless me and it was amazing. So I was in sales at a job and I worked for a basement company. It was like my last job in sales, okay? How many of you have been in sales? It's not easy. So I was like, this is my last stint in sales and I'll see how I'm gonna do. So I was working in sales, doing pretty, pretty, pretty decent. I had a good relationship with the company. And we had an announcement that we were gonna get company cars. Now stick with me on the story. So we were gonna get company cars and everybody was really excited. But in, like the tra in a transition, I wasn't out in the field anymore. And I wasn't out in the field anymore where I needed a company car. So I didn't get a company car because I was in inside sales. So I, I was in inside sales and I started going back out in, in the field again. I was selling a different product. My manager was giving me a chance on this one product. And I was driving like my own car, putting a lot of mileage on it. And my sales were so bad. I used to say to my manager, has anybody ever had sales this bad in this company? But it was the love, it, it was, they, they, I had favor with them because no matter how bad I did, I could do no wrong, right? Even like when I left the company, my sales were, you know, got better. But even when I left the company, they offered me like three other positions to stay with them. They said, because we just, and I'm not saying that to boast, it, they said, because we need somebody with your character. So I was having a really bad day. We used to go in with like five salespeople to just get better at our job and learn our job. And my sales were down so bad. And I would walk by that company car they were a few of them were sitting out in the in the park the parking lot. And I would always say, Man, God, I I gotta have one of those cars. I can't keep driving my car. My sales are down. And I would say this to myself, nobody knew it. So I go into work one day and and just put yourself in this situation. How, how many people ever had a really bad day at work and you're done? I hope your managers aren't here, but anyway. Nobody at New Beginnings raised their hand, right? No, didn't. So you had a really bad day at work, and I went in and this. Even when your manager, if whether they may or whether they know the Lord or not, they're your authority and God can, can help them. They, they have a sense for what you need because they're your authorities. Understand that. Even somebody who may not know the Lord, and this is really awesome. I was ready to quit and I sit down and I'm like, where is everybody today? My manager goes, they're gone. He goes, I told them all to stay home because I knew you needed me. Listen to this. So inside, I'm like, man, I'm done. I said, Dan, I'm done. And he looks at me and he goes, no, you're not. He goes, you, you're down here and you need to be up here. Just get here. So that's what God is saying to some of us. We try to just be perfect, but God's saying, man, just come up. I'll take you. We're going to grow. It's a process. And he was like, if I'll just take you up to here. Just I'll stick with me and I'll get you here. And he goes like this. He goes, you know what your problem is? He goes, you don't ask for this, Sal. You're too timid. And he, goes, just, and he goes, just like this, come on, is this not God? And he goes, you see that company car out there? This is a true story. He goes, you walk by it every day and you probably say, I want that. He goes, well, ask me for it. I go, can I have the company car? Come in Thursday and pick up your company car. I'm telling you, no, listen, I was like, I should be fired, not a company car. And I'm telling you, I'll never forget that story. I told him I would tell that story because he knows I preach when I preach. Why? Because that day I didn't feel like I deserved it. 
And I'm not trying to cry up here just because of me. How many times do you not feel like you deserve it? I'm telling you, that was one of the most pivotal days of my life. And you know, my sales went up here. Eventually they went down a little bit, I left the company, but I won awards, my sales came up here. You know what? That day I learned a lesson. God's love is so deep while we were yet sinners. He died for us. If he, so what we got to grab onto that is this. While we were yet sinners, he died for us, right? How is he going to let us know now? Is that not an awesome just testimony? We all have those testimonies, but that was one of the most pivotal moments in my life to, to receive the love of God. Because sometimes we give it so much, but to just sit back and receive it from somebody. When I literally felt like I should be fired, a company, and then I get a company car, it was awesome. So Jesus loves us and we're called to love others. We're called to love the unlovely, right? Not just the ones who are good. Jesus loved us when we were unlovely. Now we're called to love others, even when they're unlovely. So one more thing on this point, and we're going to get to the last point. We got about 20 minutes. Jesus in John 13, 1, he gives us an example of putting other people first and serving others and putting other people's needs first. In John 13, 1, it says, now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that the hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. But another translation that I love says this. Um, it says, he, now he's gonna show them the full extent of his love. So verses two through 17, I'm gonna paraphrase them. Now, knowing the Father had given everything into his hands, right, Jesus had everything, so now he has a choice, right? And he had come from God and, and was going to God. He now washes his disciples' feet. He lays aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. So in that day, feet were very dirty, right? Only slaves washed feet. But Jesus took, the Son of God took the form of a slave, and he washed his disciples' feet. How many people here would wash somebody's feet? I mean, I believe we would by the Holy Spirit, but in the natural, right? Think about it. But it's what it represents, right? It's what it represents. Jesus took on that form. He was willing to, to lower himself and humble himself to put others first. And this is what he says in John 13, 14 through 15. I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So that's Jesus's example, but what does it have to do with love, right? Love is about the other person and we serve others and we put others first and we're willing to put ourselves aside and prefer our brothers and sisters, right? What happens? We show them the love of God. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, the love that you have for one another. How many people have Maybe somebody said to you, if it wasn't for you in my life, and not to brag for us, I don't know where I'd be. That's the love of God. That's the love of God that we're in people's lives. I remember I did a funeral for somebody, and I didn't know how to do funerals at the time. And somebody asked me, he goes, I have a problem. I can't be at my, mother, my, my mother's funeral, excuse me, my father's funeral. This is years back. And he said, can you, do, can you just put something together for me? I'm like, sure. And the Holy Ghost just dropped this like, sermon in me, and I gave it to him. And he's like, I sent it to my family. They read it. And one of the scriptures was on the headstone. Everybody was so blessed. And this is what he said to me. And this is about showing the love of God. He goes, I'll never forget what you did for me that day. You make a mark when you show the love of God. When we put other people first. Amen. Are we getting it? So we saw what love is. We have a deeper understanding. We saw how it was demonstrated. Now we're going to talk about God's love. How God's love has the power to transform our hearts and the hearts of others. Amen. Are you getting it? Good stuff. Amen. Good stuff on love. So, so God's love has the power to transform our hearts and the hearts of others. Ephesians 3, 17, that it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. We need to be rooted and we need to be grounded in God's love. It's our foundation. So all throughout history, we see people encounter the love of God us, we have, all of us here, we've encountered the love of God, okay? Allow it to change them, allow that love to work in their hearts, and that overflows to others. So in Romans 5, 5, it says, such hope in God's promises never disappoints us because God's love 
has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. And we have that love in our hearts. So look at it this way. You don't have to try to get love. It's already in you. You could just block it from working. Because that's the truth. If the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart and your heart, the only way that it can't be shown is either I stay in my house all day and do nothing and don't show it. That's one thing. I put it on the shelf. Another thing is I block it, right? The only way I could hide a light from lighting is either I shut it off, I break it, or I cover it up. So it's the same thing with the love of God. It is in there. It's in there. It is, the love of God is in your heart. The only thing you could do is you could stop it, or you could taint it, or you could block it but that's all you could do. But it's time to let the love of God out, to let it show, to not let anything block it. And there's some obstacles to the love of God that we're going to talk about in the next uh, 15 minutes. So Paul, so I'm going to talk about some people in the Bible, just a snapshot of their lives, because everybody or most people who encountered the love of God, it changed them. And naturally they went and took that love to others, right? So look at Paul, killed, persecuted Christians, ran from God. He calls himself the chief of sinners, right? He goes on to write two thirds of the New Testament and he preaches the gospel of grace. And in 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 16, he said, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners who I am the worst. But listen to this. But for this very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display. That word is to be make, no, make something known undeniably. So that Christ Jesus might make, might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. So what he's saying is what's patient? Love is patient. So what he's saying is that God will display his love and make it undeniable to others that Paul was changed by the love of God. And we have been changed by the love of God. And it's time, I'm speaking to myself, that we stop letting selfishness and all the things in our life, complacency get in the way from bringing that love. Because the Bible says, oh, no man, anything but to love him. The Holy Spirit has put the love of God in our hearts. And it's, yes, it's for us. Yes, it changes us. Yes, it works in our hearts. But that, at some point, that needs to, it needs to move to action so we could show the love of God to other people. Can I get an amen on that? Amen, amen. Amen. So another person, the Samaritan woman at the well, Jews didn't talk to Samaria. Jesus now says, I must go through Samaria. That word means he must, need, must needs. He needed to go through Samaria. He meets this Samaritan woman who has a bunch of husbands. Jesus um, says to her, she, she, it's, it's hot. It's, she's, and she's going to, to draw some water. And then Jesus offers her living water. He tells us everything, tells her everything she ever did in her life, right? Not to condemn her, but what to show that he's real and to show that I have something for you that's gonna satisfy your heart, that you don't need to be over here. You need to be over here and I have that for you. And that lady, it says that she left her water pot and she went back to the city. And, and it says many believe because of the word of this woman. That woman, shame, think, think about that for a second. Shame was just ripped off her, fear was ripped off her. She was hiding, you know, because just of shame and, and going to get water when it was really hot out in the day. And now she's going into a city. Think about that for a second. She was delivered from fear, shame, and then she had boldness. Why? Because of the love of God. The love of God is going to make you bold. The love of God is going to make you fearless. Now, I'm not going to say we're not going to have anxiety and fear, but perfect love casts out fear. So she walked. You, got, you want another one? Amen. Zacchaeus. It's one of my favorite chief tax collector. Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector, dirty. Um, he, he's, you know, swindling people all his life. Jesus is coming to town and he climbs up in a tree to see Jesus Christ. And me, that's such an awesome picture. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down from there. I'm going to stay at your house today. And, and he's touched by the love of God through Jesus Christ. Is that not powerful? He's probably the last person, anybody there, that would think that Jesus would say, I'm going to stay at your house today, right? And he says that to him and he has such a heart change. And this is what happens to Zacchaeus. And when, when Jesus says that to him, it says, Zacchaeus stood and said to her, look, Lord, I will give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone, 
by false accusation, I restore fourfold. What happened? There was a change in his heart that, cha- that caused him to prefer others first, to do something for others. Amen? Amen. And then finally, we're going to close here looking at the life of Peter. If we look at Peter, Jesus t- changed his name from Simon Peter. Simon is that reed when you go to the beach and you see that reed blowing in the wind, right? Blown by every wind, every wave, very weak, very wimpy, not strong, not bold, right? And then rock, Peter, Peter means Petra, means rock. Okay, so Peter was called by Jesus. We see Peter called by Jesus at the Sea of Galilee. He left everything and he followed Jesus. So now he walks with Jesus and then Peter has an experience where he meets a servant girl of the Jewish rulers and he asked Peter three times, rather she asked Peter three times, do you know Jesus? And first he says, I don't know what you're saying. And then he says, I, I, I never knew the man. He denies Jesus three times. And it says in, in Matthew that he went out and he wept bitterly. Think of the shame. Think of the, the hurt of betraying Jesus and denying Jesus. And then we see Peter being restored by Jesus. We see Peter, when Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? And then he says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Jesus was restoring him. And now he's given him some responsibility saying, I have faith in you and he restored him. And think about going from denying Jesus to Jesus now restoring you with his love and saying, I still love you no matter what. Think about that, being at your worst, betraying your, your, your Savior, and now Jesus comes to you with his love and he restores you back. Is that not awesome? But here's what happens to Peter. After that, we see Peter in the book of Acts, and at one point now, he's denying that he even knows Jesus in front of this girl, because why? He's ashamed. He's fearful. He's being timid at the time. But here's what happens in Acts 4. Well, before that, he goes on to preach a message and 3,000 people get saved. But I like this when he's before the Jewish rulers. At one point, keep in mind, at one point he's denying Jesus, betraying Jesus. Jesus restores him with his love. And this is what Peter says. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So he goes from this to this by love and the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want to end with. God's love removes the power of fear, shame, and selfishness in our hearts so we can love him, serve him, and boldly bring his love to others. God's love removes the power of fear, shame, and selfishness in our hearts so we can love him, serve him, and boldly bring his love to others. God didn't just save us for us to sit back and hoard his love for ourselves. He saved us to now go save somebody else. He saved us to bring that love to others. And I'm going to tell you this. Two, I've been preparing this message. This is where I want to end. And this is where I want to challenge us. we got about 10 more minutes. I realize this as I'm preparing. There's other obstacles. I'm not saying that. But two of the greatest obstacles of showing the love of God to other people. Right? So it's recognizable, that recognizable difference. Two of the greatest obstacles to that is fear and selfishness. Think about it for a second. Selfishness, you see the love of God is so opposite of self. And I realized this. I went through a season where I was very self-conscious. It was actually affecting the way I ministered to people. I realized it's because you're self-conscious. What happened to Adam? The first thing that happened, Adam was naked and never knew it. The first thing I hid because I was afraid. We have got to get less self-conscious and more God-conscious. That woman at the well, man, she went in self-conscious, but she came out God-conscious, amen? She went in self-conscious, but she came out God-conscious. She didn't care anymore, and it's time to not care. And when God speaks to you to go speak to somebody, you need to step out in boldness. I need to step out in boldness, and we need to put ourselves aside because somebody put themselves aside for us so we could come into relationship with God, amen? We wouldn't be here today if somebody didn't step out of themselves or somebody didn't get out of their fear. And we have the love of God. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. 
Because fear involves torment, but be who fears has not been made perfect. We have the love of God and it drives out fear in our lives. The Bible says that he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. And if you look at the context of that scripture, yes, it applies to everything, but it, 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 it's in the context of stirring up the gifts in us and walking out the plan of, excuse me, stirring up the gifts in us, walking out the plan of God and sharing the gospel with other people, sharing the love of God with others. Amen. So we've been set free to serve one another like Jesus. And we're, how do we show the love of God? We show the love of God, how we live our lives, the things we do toward people, when we serve people, when we serve people, it changes their lives, right? Serving others, it's simple. Just think about it this way. When there's a need, go put yourself aside and meet that need in somebody's life. That's how we love people. We, we were patient with them. We're kind. We listen. We don't dishonor them. We, we put them first. That's the way we love people. I think I've given us enough information to know how we should love tonight. Amen? Amen. So, Galatians 5 turns to you. For you, my brothers, were called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom become an opportunity for the sinful nature, worldliness, selfishness, but through love serve and seek the best for one another. So I, I want to end here with this. We want to bring that, that recognizable difference to others, and that's such a, a powerful thing to the heart of God. My aunt, my aunt Minnie, um, a lot, me and Pastor were talking. So many people that, that I have grew up with and poured into my life, my aunts and uncles, are really not with us anymore. And I kind of feel like they poured into the next generation. And now, you know, my parents are still alive, thank God, and some other few people here and there are older. But a lot of that generation, that, that generation that paved the way for us passed away, and we're here now to pave the, the way for others and show them the love of God and show that intimate relationship with God we have and, and, and point them to God. But my Aunt Minnie, when she passed away, she, we thought she was passing away. It's my mom's sister, Pastor Joe's mother, my aunt. So we got her on FaceTime, but Cousin Lucille was there. And I had talked about Pastor about sharing this. And my Aunt Minnie thought she was dying. And she said to my mom, thank you, I love you. This is what she said to me, never forget it. Lucille, her daughter, actually has a tattoo. And she goes, do me a favor. And I said, what, Aunt Min? She said, love each other. 84 years she lived on this earth, 84 years. And what her concern was that her family loved each other. And that's what Jesus was concerned about. When he knew he was going to the Father, he was saying to them, this is an example that I want you to live by, putting one another first. And he says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. But here's how it's going to happen. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these. That's the way we love. We love him. We spend time with him. We fall in love with him. When we fall in love with Jesus and we receive that love for ourselves, like, like the woman at the well, like Peter, like, like Paul, like Zacchaeus, when we receive that love for ourselves and we don't let anything block it, now something's different. We live differently. That fear that selfishness, that shame just gets broken off of us because God wants to live, us to live free, as pastor said. And what did he just say about living free? Do we have a plan? One of our plans should include, are we going to love each other? Because we have been set free. Why does Galatians say? To, but through love, serve and seek the best for one another. That's why God has, has, has poured out, well, he poured out his love for us, obviously, first to save us, but it doesn't stop there. Does that make sense? He loves us, that loves for us to change us, but he also wants that love to be shown to others. Amen. So here's my challenge. If we could just stand up. We got four more minutes. If we could just stand up. Um, if you're here tonight and um, you have, the first thing I want to settle with is if you have never received Christ into your life as your personal savior and you say, I want to know that love today. I want to experience that love for myself like those people. I don't care where you've been. We've already set the, 
the, the table that Jesus loves you no matter what you've done. If you're here today, with your eyes open, it's fine. We're family here and you've never received Christ into your life and you wanna do that today, just put up your hand. You're here today and you have never received Christ into your life and you wanna do that today. I believe we're all family, but in case there's nobody, okay, we're gonna uh, pray that prayer anyway, just in case someone didn't wanna pray that prayer or didn't raise your hand. So we can just pray this prayer together. Father, Father I, believe I believe that Jesus, that Jesus died, on died on the cross for me. For me. I, believe I believe that he's the son of God. He's the son of God. He, rose he rose again on the third day. I believe in him as my Lord, my Savior. I turn my back on my past. Ask the Holy Spirit to come inside and live in my heart and make me a new person. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you, didn't, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, maybe you didn't raise your hand, or even if you want to rededicate, we have prayer workers up here to pray for you and to um, put a book in your hands. But I just want to end with this. I personally taught a similar message like this in Bible school to the worship team. And I, just being vulnerable, I just recently made a fresh commitment to the love of God, to begin to love people, to walk out 1 Corinthians 13, to be more patient, to be more kind, to be more loving. And I, if you're here today, and, and you feel like you need that make that commitment to just make a commitment to just make a fresh commitment to love God. Really, we all need to because nobody's perfect. So we could really do it together. I don't have to single out anybody. But I just want us, how many people you just want, let's, you want to make a fresh commitment to God? Let's make a fresh commitment to the love of God to begin to look at 1 Corinthians 13 and live that out. I challenge you to print out the Amplified Version. I think Pastor Beth had done that for us one time. That The Amplified Version is amazing and live that out. Amen. So let's just lift our hands, close our eyes in whatever way. Well, just repeat after me. Father, Father I, thank I thank you for that transforming, for that transforming love, love that's in my heart. In my heart. I, put I put away fear, shame, shame selfishness, selfishness and I, allow and I allow that love, that love to, be to be shown to others, to others. so they will know, so they will know that, I that I am your, your disciples. disciples. In Jesus' name, In Jesus name. Amen. amen. Amen.